Good morning. Uh, our reading today is from Romans chapter 8, starting in verse 11. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of, a, of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. This is the word of God. As many, but not all of you, will know, only a few weeks ago, my father passed away. It was quite a difficult experience for me and for my family. And you, our church family, have walked with me through that and been such an encouragement. My father was 76 and uh, had been in very good health, was actually climbing in Mount Zion National Park in June, but in July, he just had this massive stroke, and within two weeks, he was gone. Um, and if you wonder why I have this shaggy beard, I guess now's the time to tell you he had a beard that was white, and I'm putting white coloring in my beard to make it look like his. It's not really this color. No, you know, of course it's not. So I thought for a few uh, weeks or so, um, I would wear a beard to just kind of remind me of my dad. I was very close to my dad, and it's very difficult to think that he's, he's gone. Um, I was with him when he passed away, myself, my sister, and my brother-in-law, there were others who were there. This happened to be out there. And it seemed somehow like a holy moment to see his breathing just become more and more shallow, more and more intermittent. It happened very quickly once it happened. And to see all of a sudden that um, the man, sorry, it's still fresh for me, the man who gave me life, you know, no longer had life. And it looked like him, but it didn't. Now, all of us go through these kinds of things or will. Some of you may have fresh experiences like mine. 
But moments like these cause us to evaluate and to ponder what happens when we die. What happens to the world which is seemingly flying towards its demise in millions of years or so? What happens when one breathes his last? Um, what is the ultimate hope? Is there one? We might ask it this way, how does this human story end? Our own personal human story, our own family human story, but all of humanity's story, and even the story of the nature, of the natural world. How does this end? How does it close out? Where is it going? Is it going anywhere? This is a fundamental question, one which we all are uh, living out of and yet often never think about. As a church, we say we are sent with hope on the mission of Christ. What do we mean by that? And what, how does it fit into who we are? And why does it matter? Does it only matter when we go to funerals? Does it only matter when we lose people that we care about? Or is there a sense in which hope is something which we must have in our lives day to day, every day in our life? How does the story of the world end? It's a question that has to be answered. And I mean, it will be answered in one way or another, but philosophical and religious and scientific systems have taken a look at it because we know death happens and this can't continue on forever just as it is. There are different alternatives. One, some might say, well, we might say, does the universe simply run out of gas and, and, and expire or explode? Does it, is it just sort of freeze out? Is it just going to run out of gas someday and end? This is what many scientists believe that is the ultimate end of every human life and uh, of the world is that it's going to just going to Peter out. It's going to explode. It's going to end. Is that all? It's, is we just on this story, which is really no going nowhere, and just going to end someday? Is the ultimate destination of your life to become fertilizer, and then to end nothing? From a purely rationalistic, materialistic point of view, the answer to that question is yes. And then you go out and enjoy your life. <laughs> Figure out some meaning in there. And you will find that nihilism becomes the philosophy of the day, ultimately. It's the only, only existentialism, which is kind of like pretending nihilism doesn't exist, right? It's the only reasonable way to think about life. But is this what the Bible teaches? No, it is not what the Bible teaches. Well, does the history of the world end in nirvana, in nothingness, in extinction, in enlightenment, in the breaking of the endless cycle of reincarnation? Does it end in that Release. Does the material world end in the release of the spirit into enlightenment, into oneness? This is what Eastern religions teach, and it's an incredibly popular view among many Christians, many people today in America. Is that what the Bible teaches? No, it's not what the Bible teaches. Does the history of the world end in a garden of eternal bliss filled with every sensual appetite and pleasure? given to you at a moment's notice when all the things that you suffered by avoiding this year get given to you by God's good gifts in the future of paradise someday, um, including in some points of view of this, a plethora of virgins, 72 for every man. Um, I don't know if that would be heaven or hell, but, but uh, anyway, is that, way, is that the way the world really ends? Well, this is another religious system looks at it that way, but it's not what the Bible teaches. 
does the history of the store of the world end in heaven with the souls of those who trusted in Jesus, enjoying His presence forever in eternal bliss? Do we, is the end of the story that our last breath with this is to be our first awakening moment with the Father, and that's the way the story ends forever and ever? No. That is not the ultimate hope of the Christian story. Although that is what many Christians think is the end of the story. But what the Bible teaches is that there is life after life after death. That there is life after life after death. That when our spirits go to be with God, that that is a temporary waiting place. It seems like a long time to us on this side. But someday, God will create a new heaven and a new earth, and we will receive resurrected bodies like the one Jesus had. We don't live as disembodied spirits playing harps and singing songs, which would be impossible without a body to sing with anyway, right? We don't live that way. We ultimately have remade bodies like unto Jesus. That is the Christian hope, and it is revolutionary. It's what Christianity teaches. It's what answers the heartfelt ringing in our souls. And so, yes, we go to be in paradise at the moment we die, but that's not the end of the story. The end of the story is not us going away to heaven, but heaven coming down to a new earth with a great marriage supper of the Lamb and resurrected bodies, incorruptible, made in fellowship with God. We don't know what it's like. It's very hard to imagine it. And because we can't imagine it, sometimes we think it must not be true. And yet, recycle your life about however old you are plus about three months. Recycle your life back to your mother's womb. You know, you're six months gestated, right? And you're living in this very safe, secure environment, which everything is perfect and which makes perfect sense to you. And let's suppose someone were to come to you and to say to you, by the way, Cheryl, this isn't the end of your story. There's going to be a painful exit, (laughs) but it will bring you to a new life. And that thumb you have will have a purpose. That mouth you have will have a purpose. There will be things about you that you can't even fathom or imagine. If you were to say that to an in utero child, a child could not imagine it and would think you were crazy. And yet that's exactly what happened to every one of us. Right? I hath not seen Ear hath not heard the things that God has prepared for those who love him. So when the Bible teaches that we have this ultimate Christian hope of having resurrected bodies, incorruptible, on a remade heaven and earth that is probably more substantial, more real, more beautiful than this world even is, And somehow the Bible teaches us there's continuity between this world and that. We can't fathom that. That there's somehow a connection to building on wood, uh, gold and silver and precious stones in this world that will go on to the next world. It's like that thumb you had in utero that you didn't know what to do with, but now you can use it to eat with, right? That mouth you had, those body parts, those lungs, it didn't make much sense to you. Somehow they needed to develop because you needed them in the next world. You didn't need them back then, right? 
I have a son who was born with a congenital lung defect. In fact, he's the son who's getting married in a month or two. My goodness, when he was three months old, we went through such a difficult time. We thought we were going to lose him. He had three massive surgeries. He actually ended up having uh, about half of his right lung removed because his lungs didn't function properly. And had he been born a few years earlier, well, you know how that story would have ended. We can be thankful for technology. See, he needed those lungs once he got out. It was important that those lungs develop properly in utero, though he didn't really need them while he was in, the, yeah, while he was in his mother's tummy, right, as we euphemistically say. Um, and, but he needed those things. So there is a continuity. We can't see it. We can't fathom it. What does it mean to have this Hope. Well, let's talk about it this morning. We've been considering what we are as a church, and we say that, and you can see this on your message notes, that we are living witnesses of God's new creation in Christ Jesus, and we are a community of faith and love and hope. We are called to faith in the gospel of Jesus. That was two weeks ago. We are gathered in love as the community of Jesus. That was last week. And thirdly, today, we are sent with hope on the mission of Jesus. So let's talk today about Christian hope and the future, Christian hope and the past, and Christian hope and the present. Christian hope and the future, Christian hope and the past, Christian hope and the present. Let's do this quickly together. And this is, you know, the problem with what we're doing these next three weeks is that we're really talking to you about the the whole ball of wax about what we're doing. There's no way to really cover this idea of what it means to be sent with hope on the mission of Christ, but I want to just open your imagination a little bit to think about what the future is, to think about why you can count on it, and to think about what it means for us today. What the future is, uh, why we know it's true because of what happened in the past, and how it makes a difference to today. So let's take, first of all, Christian hope and the future. What is the nature of our hope? I had Greg read for you out of Romans chapter 8, and uh, Romans 8 is a, I, I did it because we've been considering, um, we've been considering the, um, uh, the book of Romans as we've taken a look at this, and so I just wanted to stay in it, and it has, of course, some very good and valuable things to say on this topic. But there are many other passages that teach about it. I'm going to have to leave this text a few times. But what is the nature of our hope? There are three things, and you can see them, I think, printed back here. I need to use this light to be able to see some of what I have written here. There will be resurrected bodies, a renewed earth, and restored culture. Look at Acts, Romans 8, 23 to 25, okay? For we know that the whole creation has been groaning, excuse me, Crowning together in the pains of childbirth until now, now verse 23, and not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption of sons, the redemption of not our souls, not our spirits, but what? Our bodies, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now think about that. What is the hope towards which we are saved? We're, ho- we're saved toward the redemption, not simply of our spirits or our souls, but of our, of our bodies. And, uh, um, and we see it uh, spoken of in, in verse 11 as well. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal 
bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. His spirit will give life to our bodies. And this is the consistent teaching of the scriptures that someday we will have the resurrected body of Jesus. Remember how it was real, but more real, not subject to the the, the limitations of our human bodies. It was able to appear and not to appear. We were not always able to see it. It's a little bit like to me that you know, for example, that whatever your favorite radio station they listen to is playing in here right now. You know that it's here, right? You just don't have the tuner fixed to get it. If you found 89.1 or 90, 90.5 or 103, or in my case, AM 620, or, you know, because I listen to sports talk radio, you would find that it would magically appear and we would hear it. And you'd think it just came in. It didn't just come in. It was already here. We just didn't have the receptors for it, you see? So we have body. We will have bodies that are different than ours, not just magic, but different, okay? We will have resurrected bodies. And then the other thing that will happen, I need to go quickly because I just want to give you just the, the, the themes here, is we will live in a renewed earth. Look at verse 19 to follow. For the creation was subjected to futility... Excuse me, for the, I keep missing my numbers here. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. The Bible teaches that there will someday be new creation, a new heaven, and a new earth. Creation waits for that day and is waiting for us to get our act together so we quit destroying this earth and start taking care of it the way Jesus meant for us to. You see, we'll be given, will we receive resurrected bodies in a new heaven and a new earth, the bringing together of heaven and earth in a future state that we cannot yet imagine. You know, what I have found myself being glad to say, I had it happen just this past week when someone was talking to me and found that my father had passed away and they were providing me comfort. I found myself saying this, you know, I'm thankful for your comfort and it really helps a lot. And it's really helped us a lot because I believe in the resurrection of the dead. We're not just talking about going to be with the angels, but going to be up there. But the resurrection of the dead. Someday I will see my father again in his resurrected body, and I will have a resurrected body as well. And then the third thing, and it's not really found in this text, is a restored culture. Um, um, Oh, there's so much in here. I just want to uh, call your attention to it a little bit. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, this is what is typically called the cultural mandate. Now, let me tell you the story of it before I read the text of it. The reality is that when God created the world, He wanted humans to be partners with Him in fashioning this world. God called this light day and called the night darkness, and He called certain things, but He didn't name everything, did He? What did He say? He said, Adam, you name the animals, you see? You participate with that. And so we have that God had created the raw materials of this world, and we were supposed to steward it and take care of it. But something went wrong, terribly wrong, when humans decided they didn't need God to take care of this world, that they could do it all by themselves. And so from that day until now, we have typically viewed the world as a gold mine or a trash heap. Gold mine. Get what you can out of it, right? 
Use up all those resources. Just take care of it. Take, you know, take it all. Or trash heap. Just don't worry about it. It doesn't really matter. It's going to go away. No, we're called to take care of this world. And so look at verse 26 to 28. Then God said of Genesis chapter 1, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish and of the sea and over the birds and the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing. So we're called to have dominion. That doesn't mean to destroy. It means to take care. If I give to you my garden, I say take care of it, have dominion. I don't mean destroy it. I mean take care of it, right? Okay, and so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them, and God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. Another translation would be shepherd it um, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds and the hair and every living thing that moves on the earth. Well, that's what happened at the beginning of the time. And what we find at the very end of time is that we, in Revelation chapter 5 and many of the passages, we will then be called to take care of God's creation. So we're going to have culture in the future state. To cultivate and to have culture are the same thing. When you cultivate something, you take raw materials and fashion them together, and we will be involved in the making of culture. We won't be bored in the future state. It will be beautiful. That's Christian hope and the future. Resurrected bodies, renewed earth, restored culture. Let's talk secondly about Christian hope and the past. The question is, how do we know any of this is true? How do we know this is not just wishful thinking, that we have that uh, uh, idea that things ought to last forever, and so we just think they must? Well, we know because of the resurrection of Jesus. Verse 11, oh, sorry, I lost my place again. Romans 8, verse 11, If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. What's unique and beautiful, oh, I wish I could just get the feeling out here, is that our, our hope is not merely wishful thinking. It's based upon an historical, perhaps we would say an supra-historical reality when God invaded human history through Jesus who gave his life and then was miraculously raised from the dead, spoken of as the first fruits, the first one. That means there will be other fruits to come, and that's you and me. So the, the thing that was so beautiful about the the Christian church is that they saw that the future had come into the present miraculously through Jesus who gave his life, raised from the dead, and that became the guarantee that this was true and real. It's not just wishful thinking. We have an historically grounded faith. It makes Christian faith uh, Unique, I think, in all of, all of the world as well. We have the resurrection of Jesus, and then we have also the witness of Scripture. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus says, And you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses all throughout. And what is it that they witnessed to? They witnessed to the resurrection, 232, and many other passages. God has raised Jesus from the dead, and we are witnesses of this 
fact. So the Christian hope is not merely future focus, but it's a future focus which is bound in a past reality when Jesus was raised from the dead. And so then let's consider finally then Christian hope and the present. What difference does hope make today? Is hope merely something with, oh, that'll be nice someday. That'll be nice someday. Or does it have present-day implications? Well, it has huge present-day implications. You see, the hope of the future gives us purpose for the present. We're not merely rearranging the chairs on the Titanic that's going to die someday. When we're involved in culture making and doing what God wants us to do, we're called to be, oh, I forgot. We proclaim, first of all, the gospel of hope. We proclaim the gospel. uh, 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 Next one, Brian. There we go. We proclaim the gospel of hope. We proclaim to people this news that God has, that comes into history and remade us and brought us into relationship with him. As we place our faith in him, we become part of his troop, if you will. We become part of living witnesses of his creation in Christ. And so all of world takes a different tone than it one time had. We proclaim the gospel of hope, the good news of what God has done. And then secondly, we become living witnesses of his new creation. God wants to conform us, verse 29 says, into the image of his Son, we become witnesses to this, the future reality today. In heaven, there will be no bickering and, shame, uh, and fighting. And so we who follow Christ want to bring examples of love and care and comfort, concern for one another right in the midst. We want to be like heaven today. We want to be like it says in the Lord's Prayer, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We are meant to be people who live out the implications of the gospel in all of our world, that we relate in our workplace like Jesus would relate in the workplace, that we're involved in culture, in, in, in culture making that makes a huge difference in the world. And this eighth chapter gives us many ideas about that, which I don't really have time to talk to you about today because our time, our time is up. So, at Ecclesia, we're not just trying to say to you, you know, the gospel is only for the future, but we're saying to you that we need to be witnesses of that hope. Live like that kind of people in the world because we live in a culture filled, sadly, with despair. We live in a culture filled only with seeking for the most it can out of this present moment, sacrificing the future for the sake of the present, and uh, missing so much of what God has for us. So let's become people of hope. Let's be sent on hope, sent on the mission of God, living out the hope of God. You know, as I was there in the hospital room, I had gotten kind of hungry, went to the hospital thing, and my brother-in-law and I, and I picked up some of these little crackers, little wafers of sort. And I don't know, they were really old. They just did not. And I shared them with my, friend, my brother-in-law, Mark, and uh, we had just walked back into the room. And, and so I, I gave, I get, man, I said, man, Mark, aren't these the worst crackers you've ever tasted, you know? They were awful. 
That's what Mark and I were doing when my father died. We were looking at some perishable crackers which had lost their useful purpose. And we were making light of it, you know. And somehow, I don't know if it's morbid or beautiful, but so too was my father putting aside this tabernacle that he'd lived in for 76 years. He had birthed, or sired, I should say, you know, four children, had been an architect, loving beauty and creating beautiful spaces. He had sailed to Tahiti in a four-man sailboat, you know. On a, he had lived for a year in Saudi Arabia. He wanted to suck the marrow out of life, you know, and that's a good thing because although our physical bodies de- decay and stop tasting quite so good, the good stuff of life goes on beyond. That's the message of Christian hope. Live that way. In the last verse of 1 Corinthians 15, which speaks all together about the resurrection of the dead, after it says that, it says this, the 58th verse, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Because Jesus was raised from the dead, your life matters. What you do matters. The way you relate to people matter. And someday you will put aside this body like a worn-out cracker, but you will receive not just a spirit, but someday a new body. I can't wait for that day. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, our culture is sorely lacking in hope. That's why we cling to every moment as if it's the only moment we'll ever have. That's why we sacrifice the future for the present. That's why we get, 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 take, take, take. We become selfish and despondent sometimes. Father, I pray that you would open our eyes to the truth of the gospel and remind us that this is not the end and that someday you will remake the world and our bodies. And that that means that anything we do that participates in what you are doing will last throughout eternity. Nothing we do for you is ever wasted, even though it may not be recognized by anyone here. You're keeping track. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.